So 98, here we go. I'm Henry, you're Dave. Hey. And uh, it's just us. Let's dive in, man. Let's talk. Symphony of Corrections. Ooh, weekly reminder. We got a lot of stuff today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move. I love weekly it. Weekly reminder, cables are tone tubes. Thank you. You're listening to this, so thank you for that. Uh, thank you for listening to all the previous ones. Also, thank you to our previous guest, Mr. Colin Sipis. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. badass episode. Uh, go back and listen to that. What a just a... A nice guy, and and we say this a lot, and I really mean it with this one. We could have done a double length. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't ready to go when it was over. I was like, oh, we could, we'll have to have him back on again, man. That'd be, cool. you know, it's it's. I look up and I and I see the timeline, and it says it's past ninety minutes on the recording. I was like, oh shit, yeah, I had to pee. Uh, I haven't trained my bladder yet for these long, <laughs> especially drinking coffee and stuff. So yeah, I, I could it. hear it. I could hear the pee. It's uh, it's sort <laughs> you of hear like, the strain yeah, in my the, voice, the, the dairy, the dairy in your <laughs> voice. Yeah, got the piss, the piss vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thanks for listening. It's awesome. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Gearbuds Podcast. Follow us on Facebook.com slash Gearbuds or Gearbuds Podcast. It's one of those. Just search it. Subscribe on Spotify and Apple and all of the places. Oh, I realized recently that Apple is still displaying the Gear Hunks logo. Uh, oh, really? And couldn't Come figure on, out why. I know. Well, I, I think. I think it might be on us. I think I might need to ask you for a different format file okay. or something like that. Let me so know. Just, yeah, just this is, I might not even leave this in the episode because that was just me. <laughs> I have to send you that. Uh, nothing for gearbudspodcast.com slash free stuff this week uh, other than just go there and download because there's a ton of stuff for you to go check out. And I've already used a number of these plugins that are free on on songs. So go check them out. Absolutely. Little, little sub sub segments here uh friends of the show a couple things to announce that uh were pretty exciting uh vertex effects our our good friend uncle mace mason mason Jell, the rig doctor has unleashed upon the world the vertex boost mark ii and you know it takes a lot to get me excited about a boost pedal and this does it because the man the, the vertex boost it just does so much that you 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 know you hear a boost and you're like oh it's gonna make my my signal louder and and it definitely does that it's 16 decibels of clean of clean boost but it does so much more it has all the buffering that you could ever want the the thing that I think is most interesting about it is that if you've ever used a volume pedal mm-hmm. you know instantly there's tone suck even the best passive volume pedal that's just inherent to the design well sure. you can use the the boost with a, a TRS cable to you to create an active volume pedal and it, it a lot, some of the greatest players in the world are already doing this i have decided that i am going to integrate integrate a vertex boost mark ii into my board Excellent. let it be written let it be done uh man there's actually a lot of pedal stuff to talk about this week cool. but uh yeah it's i feel i feel like for a long time man i gotta be honest i was sort of in this place where i i didn't dislike pedals but it just well you were content with I your was, with your pedal setups right? i was content with my pedals Content with my pedal setup, and it was way, way more stripped down. And I think I, I've finally gotten to a place again where I want to to go overboard and, and treat pedals like uh, sound, more, almost sort of like a modular synthesizer or something. Mm-hmm. We can okay. talk about that more Ooh. later. But the Boost Mark II will, will definitely be part of that. Uh, also, as long as we're here and friends of the show, and it just, it, frankly, I have to be honest, it makes me so excited that I can even talk about this here during a segment called Friends of the Show. Have you seen the uh, Fender Custom Shop Surf Green thing that they did? Yeah, this week? I, and I I saw a few. I saw it posted a few times actually. And uh, oh boy, 
We'll talk about this, oh, but yeah, boy. I want to celebrate uh, celebrate past friends. Wow, the it's so it's if anybody hasn't seen this yet, uh, you know maybe we could share it on Facebook or something. But the, the I Fender Custom it. Shop decided to do this sort of tribute to days of of old, where there there was this old story where they were gonna for Nam shows they would make everything in the same color. So they decided to kind of mm-hmm. resurrect that to celebrate this this old idea, and they were gonna do it for Nam this year, which obviously didn't happen. So then then, then they just kind of made it this like Instagram moment. Well, basically the Fender Custom Shop, all the master builders, all twelve of them, may, each made an instrument and they made amps and they made a Gretsch drum kit and they're all finished in surf green. Yep. And it's so badass. It's so badass. And I, I love it, man. And I just, uh, I'm a little upset cause I was scrolling through and good old ugly. Somebody posted on ugly guitars, man, the same picture. And I was like, come on guys. Someone's going to post. Of course there was, I, knew I know, I know happen. ugly guitars. It's, it's all tongue in cheek, but yeah, uh, of course, you know, there was, a, there was major backlash in the comments section, but um, naturally, but no, I love this color, man. I honestly, it's one of my favorites. It's always a consideration when I think about, you know, you think of refinished projects and that kind of stuff. And it always comes to or, mind. Or just even quintessential Fender, you know. It's, yeah. I, I don't feel like it, Surf Green is, is one of the names that comes up first, but it should. It is mm-hmm. definitely one of their custom color looks that was just the thing. And then, of course, we have to give a specific shout out to our buddy our buddy Carlos Lopez yep. and that uh, Surf Green 12 that he made. So Hell yeah. Woo, baby. Go check that out. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I would imagine all those guitars must be sold already. I don't know if you can actually acquire any of that stuff, but yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, they just maybe on the market. The um, the one in the middle wasn't there like a like yeah the Gretsch in the middle that was that was really cool, man. It had it's got yeah. like this weird paisley finish or something. I was trying to find a better picture of it. Well, dude, you know what I was that made me think of it. it, it and I'm sure that others have already ta- touched on this, but uh, you know, just the simple fact that. Fender had to change the name of the Telecaster from the Broadcaster because Gretsch owned the rights to Broadcaster. Oh, and now that's right. Fender owns, owns Gretsch. Gretsch. Right. <laughs> so that's, funny. you know, there's fun, interesting how, that, how that, that all works, works out, yeah. too. And then there was that you know, little uh, electric mandolin I thought was was kind of the star of the show. Yeah, I think maybe cool. Ron Thorne. I don't remember who made that one, but that was, that thing was super cool too. I, I, I they've made that throughout the years, and, mm-hmm. and they might still even. But as we all In know, context, as I yeah. as I as I sort of uh, bemoan the past couple of weeks, I no longer own a mandolin. Right. So perhaps the, the filling the gap could be a mando. surf green electric mando. Which is, honestly, I would probably be more likely to use a mandolin if it was electric anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. There we go. Well, my friend, I uh, I used I used a word in the last uh, couple one of the cu- last couple sentences I just said there, and that word was touching. So might as well get into touching tips with Dave. Touching tips. Uh, I've got uh, I've got a tip here, and and I'm sorry if these have been so sort of phone technology focused lately, but I just thought of this one because it's it's something that I didn't know about for a long time, and it's and it's a pretty pretty good thing to know. So if you've if you're the sort of person like me that ever needs to send a photo or video from your iPhone, it turns out that when you send it by mm-hmm. default, it doesn't send. Like, have you ever noticed you've sent a picture or, or or a video or something like that, and you know, just over text or iMessage or something on your phone, mm-hmm. and notice that it just sent kind of a crappy version of it. I mean, like I, not I, not high res, for instance. Yeah, I, th- I mean, it compresses it. Uh, somewhat, it compresses right? it. Yeah. Well, if you are like me and you need to send uncompressed versions of files ever, mm-hmm. there is a way to do that on your phone, and all you have to do is just go to. Really, this is the important part: is that when you're sending it, start from 
the photos app. You know, don't just mm-hmm. like go to your text message and then add the photo yep. from there. Go to the photos app, okay. click the photo that you want to send. Then down in the bottom left corner, when you when you're sort of on the photo, there's there will be this little like share icon with an arrow. You mm-hmm. click that. And then it'll be like, oh, here's all the places that you can share it. And it'll be, you can either send it on, you know, via text, text message email, or email yeah, or, or whatever. Yeah, right. Before you do that, up, up up top there, you'll see a little option that says options. If you Ooh. click options and then select all photos data, you now will send the actual uncompressed full resolution version of whatever photo or video it is that you're trying to send and no longer have to worry about all the little crappy compression artifacts and things that you were dealing Holy with shit, before. It just blew my I mind. Know. That's amazing. That's right. So my name's Henry, and this has been Touching Tips with Dave. In fact, I would like to give a specific shout-out to uh, our buddy Kevin from over at Uphill Recording. Uh, I know that he is uh, he, he has reached out and let us know that he is a fan uh, of this segment. So just want right. to let, uh, let him let Kevin know we're a fan up, of you, Kevin? but we got to get you on the show sometime. Thanks for listening. If those keeping track at home, Kevin uh, sold me my SVT. Oh, excellent, excellent. That's uh, that's that. Let's get in a little GFI BFI. Uh, I don't know if this is a good or a bad fucking idea, <laughs> but uh, and, and I know that we glossed over this. Uh, this is this happened a couple weeks ago, okay. but Dave Mustaine is now with Gibson. Yeah, which is very very fascinating for us uh, old rockers and metal folks. Yeah, and now why is this somewhat, you know, why is this an interesting thing? Well, you know, well, first of all, Dave is kind of a divisive figure. We'll Mm -hmm. say that. And also he's, he's been a light throughout my sort of main history with knowing and and listening to Megadeth. He's been kind of a Dean guy. And before that, I know he was a Jackson guy. So it's, 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 it's kind of, funny that and at the end and then beyond that when he, there are many photos not many but there are photos of him when he was still in metallica playing rich, gibson right? well oh. there's bc rich but then there's also the a gibson flying v may oh, or may yeah. not have been his who knows get obviously metallica also started playing gibsons and then you know jackson's and esp and all that stuff but it's just kind of the, i don't I, that's why i said i don't know if it's a gfi or bfi i yeah. just wanted to mention it because it's interesting uh is it he getting is, like a signature model a or thing. anything yeah well there are a number and one of them it might even be a kramer uh because gibson owns kramer oh, uh okay. I, I thought that the i saw some pictures i don't know what the full range is i should have known better about this but the one one of them is definitely in my opinion a candidate for a hanks hanger ugly guitar <laughs> because it's it was just sort of weird I never really like the sort of non-standard bursts. Okay. You know, I don't really like a green burst or anything like that. Unless it's a silver burst, I'll get I'll get down on that. But like, I'm just a, a vintage sunburst kind of guy. And there Same was here. this one sort of green, slimy-looking burst, and it had the Gibson Explorer style paddle headstock on it. So not Ooh. the normal flying V, not the triangle, yeah. triangle-looking doohickey. And it just I'm a, I'm a fan of trying new stuff. It just seemed it just looked wrong to me. I didn't I didn't yeah. like the look of it. I'm not a big fan. Yeah, it's I mean, you know how I feel about V's. I think they look amazing. I I don't know if I'd ever own one. You know, I wouldn't go buy one just cuz you can't sit down and play them really. I mean, you can um, unless you play in classical position, man. Yeah, and I it's, I just it's tough. You you could definitely like rock a V and look awesome. I don't think I would look very awesome with a V, you know, just 
you need it if we're talking Dave and Gibson, you need an SG, man. It's it's yeah. really that's it's that simple to me. You need, I mean, I could SGs. see you with a Lester as well, but honestly, number one in my brain, I picture you with an SG. Well, I thanks, just, I thanks, just see man. It. I've been, you know, I'm on the hunt. You know, SG is in the uh, it's on the search for reverb. I'm just looking for the right one. Man. I'm just putting it out there. If you ever, if you ever just want to spend some time, you can borrow mine as long oh, as you need it. I, anytime. Shit, man, that's possible. Offers on the table. Oh, dude, wait, hold, okay, wait a second. I got it. This is this is definitely a BFI that I've got to tell you about here. Okay. So I I can't believe I'm saying this sentence. In in the year 2021, I bought a compact disc. Whoa. Wait. Not wait. only did I wait, not only did I buy a compact disc, I bought two compact discs whoa 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 slow down buddy okay let me take it back a little bit and explain take, myself here take it back. I, I don't buy compact discs i buy records i'm i've been a vinyl collector for about 15 years now i used to buy a lot of compact discs mm-hmm. but then i stopped well the whole world joined me in that and and so <laughs> um i recently got a got a total bug up my butt i need i there was a record that i really wanted to hear mm-hmm. and because it is not available on any of the streaming services that only amplified this desire i was hoping uh, that was the case right so right. right so i i don't this is actually kind of this is almost sort of borderline hank hits here so i had decided Ooh, yeah. that i had missed deeply the record uh it's called meaningless by john bryan for those okay. who don't know, John Bryan is mostly famous for being a film composer and uh, has done a ton of big movies. I mean, I Heart Huckabees and Punch Drunk Love and tons of shit that you've seen before. Mm-hmm. I think even stuff like Step Brothers. But at one point, he also released a solo record. Ooh. John Bryan is an amazing musician. I mean, plays everything really well. Uh, a producer. I don't know if he's married to Amy Mann, but I know that he was involved with Amy Mann and made mm-hmm. records with her and all that sort of stuff. Well, <laughs> John Bryan released this record himself. I think it was in the early 2000s, maybe 2001 or something like that, but it wasn't on a record label. And as such, uh, it's hard to come by. Well, it was at one point put on Spotify, I guess, but then quickly taken down. And, oh. and it's not, a, it's nowhere. And so it was never pressed on vinyl. So obviously I don't have that. I thought, I, here's the thing I, I know, like, I, I owned this album at some point, right? I, I know this like the words to the songs. Yeah, I had to have had this somewhere. So I where was did you get the digging, record from? I that, mean, well, okay, like I've seen I've seen him live a few times, so mm. I know that. And, and my group of friends that I hung out with, we were all fans of his. So okay. I don't know if got passed around or something. It, I at absolutely had the MP3s at one point. I know this, right? <laughs> you know, I had to have. So I was yeah. going through hard drives. It turns out that also because this was such a limited thing to, to buy the CD is is not easy. I on Discogs, you know, the mm-hmm. that's the standard for selling, buying and selling records online. Uh, it is, you know, it's the marketplace. The CD is between fifty and a hundred dollars, and there are only Whoa. a couple of them. Really? I was like, fuck! I just like I don't even know how I'm going to hear this. I I I don't think I, I don't think that I have. I still have a five boxes full of CDs. I don't think I have it in there, but I was like, it must be on one of my hard drives. It's not. So mm-hmm. I'm digging online. I'm like, man, I don't know what to do. And then I see on Amazon, they have it for sale. But again, on yeah. Discogs, it's between $50 and $100. On Amazon, it was it said it was new and it was nine ninety nine. And they have and that thing like, where like there's just like some dealer selling it or something. It's not. Right. Like, and I, yeah. that's, 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 so I was like, this doesn't seem right, right. but I don't, 
I don't know how else I'm going to hear this. So I bought it. And on the same day, I was talking to my buddy, Jimmy. What's up, Jimmy? And he was like, hey, have you checked Reckless? Because Reckless is a, a, a record store in Chicago. It's a chain of record stores in yeah. Chicago, really. One and the they best. have a ton of CDs. So I, I went on their website. And lo and behold, they had one on there. I was like, shit, OK. So I bought it again. Like I bought two, <laughs> you know? Nice, two copies. So I was like, well, I, I'm going to buy both of these. I don't actually have confidence I'm going to get either one yeah. because who knows if the inventory is right on Reckless or maybe they're going to see my purchase and be like, why is this guy buying this random CD for $4.99? Realize that it's actually $100 in the aftermarket and then just whatever. So mm. fast forward like two days to maybe three days, shipment arrives and I, the CD from Amazon came. I was like, whoa, this it actually happened. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Reckless canceled my order. They're like, oh, you know, sorry, we, we didn't have it. Oh, okay. I was like, well, shit, at least I got one copy so of it. So you got it in two days, And too. it came. And I have it in my hands right now. And, I, and we need to talk about this, Dave, because it's it it blows my mind. For, so it, it is the album, okay? So it is John Bryan Meaningless. It has all 11 songs okay. on it. Uh, it is not the original artwork. So the CD itself, uh, when you look at it, it, the original cover was basically just like this blue, like, baby blue thing and it just said john brian meaningless on it well it's still that but it's in set it's like in a frame with black and and then it has this default sort of like layout across the the book and the cd itself and the back it is definitely not the original pressing of this so i'm looking at it a little bit more it's weird it's like i'm starting to feel like it's just almost like a, a template that they that they use for other stuff and then i i pop the cd off and it's a fucking burned disc dude this oh, is wow. not like a professionally you know manufactured and pr- printed C- cd and then i look at the back and directly above this the serial number or the barcode mm-hmm. it says manufactured by amazon.com columbia south carolina whoa amazon burns cds mm-hmm. Amazon is apparently in the business of of that kid that you went to high school with, who whose dad had a CD burner yeah, before everybody else. Yep, and you'd wait till like Monday morning, and then he would and like he would actually make CDs. the he would print on his on his print inkjet, the artwork on the inkjet, even, yeah. even maybe on the on the print out on the, the, the black and white inkjet thing dude. on the fucking CD itself. Wow, Amazon, it's it is slightly more it's straight up bootleg. It is slightly more professional than that, yeah. but it is still. Amazon is in the business of bootlegs. Wow. And it blows my mind, dude. Well, I cannot I mean, fucking believe this shit. I guess I can't get mad because it's like, it's a really obscure record that you can't find anywhere. And all you want to do is listen to it. You know, it's not like, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think uh, John well, Bryan's going to. Here's what I don't understand. Any sleep over it. You can't buy the MP3s on Amazon's web, like, web service or anything like that. You know, yeah. on Amazon Music, you can't buy the MP3s. Someone just must my have best a copy guess, of it somewhere. My best guess is that it was at one point for sale on Amazon as mm-hmm. MP3 downloads, and they have some sort of right in their contract to say, well, anything that you, you sell on here, we can do whatever the fuck yeah, we want with it's it. it's ours, yeah. And so now they they just have this, I would bet they have this sort of a la carte printing service where it's it just it just pops it out. You make the order, and then it's to to, uh, to order. They just can shoot out the CD and the printing, and, wow. and then there you have yeah, it. Yeah, they man. just probably have a library of MP3s, and they just they just pop it. You know, like I couldn't believe this. Oh wow! So I have it, and I ripped it, and it. I mean, the how's funny it thing sound? Is, 
I I don't have anything to compare it to. There is a there is a full rip on YouTube. It sounds better than that, but I don't know. I don't know if it came from the uncompressed original masters or I doubt it. You mm-hmm. know, it's probably just like the MP3 files that they had. So I haven't. Yeah, I don't. I haven't looked into this, but I would. I I, I my sleuthing. I'm pretty confident in that. This is how it's gone. So, dude. Can we? Crazy I want to stay shit, on topic dude. here for a second because I, I yeah. forgot to email you about this. And it, um, I mean, if you want to keep going on, on John Bryan, I want to hear more about that. Um, but I was just thinking about something that I saw, so I pulled it up. But keep going. What do you Sorry. got? No, I just I didn't send it to you. Dude, you know that I don't like the I don't like when you're searching things online, Dave. This is we're supposed to be talking to each other. I have to, I had to look it up because honestly, I was thinking about it, and I think it it goes back to like the YouTube thing. I was Let's gonna hear it. I was gonna say like you should look up and see if the album's on YouTube because there's a lot of shit on there. It that, is that yeah. doesn't exist anywhere. Yeah, but um, but I guess it you is. can't. I mean, you you can rip it off YouTube, but that's gonna be that's gonna be a mess. It's gonna sound yeah. Like and that. again, you're going through multiple layers of compression, and we, I don't know like and be, beyond all of that. That I would just like to pay John Bryan for it. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to pay Amazon ten bucks for a burned ass CD or like or or YouTube download. You know, I want to just let me let let me do it. And, and there are some articles in it. In fact, he's in he in, uh, he uh, acknowledged it a couple years ago. But the fact is, is I am in a vast minority because most people have never heard it. Don't give a shit. Like there's no there's no huge demand for an out of print right. twenty year old singer songwriter which is why songs, it's so crazy that like Amazon i gotta say had dude, it. yeah the songs are fucking good like oh, man. it's still real if you're at all a fan of that sort of 60s pop kinks beatles thing yeah uh, but sort of powerful modern he, he did a lot of work with elliot smith and stuff so elliot, there's some of that kind of it man yeah I, if you want it, I can. I, I already sent it to Jimmy. I zipped up the, I would, the files. I would love the other to hear thing. It. Yeah. It, it. It arrived, and and it, I was immediately hearkened back to the days of BMG Music and Columbia House because I it came and the and the case was cracked already. It's like oh, this is yeah. just perfect. It's perfect. So I'm yeah. I'm totally gonna return it. I wouldn't have it any I don't, <laughs> I don't want it. Um, I was gonna say what kind of I didn't even ask really. I don't think what, what style of music is it. It's it's hard to describe. It's okay. this sort of singer songwriter rock pop thing and on the surface that description would make me absolutely hate it but john sure. bryan is such a masterful genius player producer writer yeah. guy that it's just oh my it blows I gotta it blows hear it, me man. away yeah please. you gotta hear it I'll, I'll i'll just send you i'll just send you the files uh well since that was kind of a, a, a it was almost like it was like belly aching. It was also sort of a Hank hit so I, it's kind of fitting then that we can then now use this as a transition into my favorite segment, the segment where I get to say my two favorite words every single week, and those words are Dave's Ducks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, ooh, ooh, hey, what's going on? Uh, Dave's Ducks coming in. What do you got? Coming in super hot today, man. Super hot. Super hot. I am pumped. Look, I, you know, and I'm sorry to all the listeners if I go on too much about the Rolling Stones. I apologize, okay? But they are it's my been favorite a while. band of all time. It's been a while. I don't, I don't, th- I don't think you have in a minute, so and, let's, and let's I, go and on I about And I think I've Rolling explained um, that I want to try to see every legitimate Rolling Stones documentary ever made. There's obviously the ones on Amazon. You can go through those you know, those little rinky-dink ones. But I'm, I'm talking about the, the real films. And I found one that I can't believe I have never seen before. It just came out in 2019, so it? I guess it's not that long ago. But it is about... And narrated by, and the story told of my favorite bass player of all time, Bill Wyman. What? The movie's called The Quiet One, 
and it's about oh his life, God. his life, and his time playing in the Stones, and then afterwards, dude. It, wait, it's this is it's all coming together. This is why you sent me that bass, dude. Yeah, and we're gonna get into that, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> that bass is so fucking cool, um, dude. It opens up with the quote Bill Wyman narrates. He goes, "Keep it simple, never get noticed, and you'll always have a job." And I was like, did you ah, write that? I did not write that. <laughs> I was like, that is me. It's, it's crazy. I mean, you know, it's, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I love the Stones for who they are, but I really love Bill for his approach to playing and his just, his attitude. And he was always just like, you know, he was always like the good guy. But he, when he joined the band, they were kind of like, you know, they were like the art school kids, you know, like mod cool kids. And they, uh, you know, I'm talking about Mick and Keith, you know, especially. Mm-hmm. And um, when he joined up, he had already been in the military uh, he basically his parents disowned him. He was raised by his grandma and she passed away. They grew up in like the bombed out slums of London. Like when all that was going on in the, like the, you know, late forties or whatever. And, uh, it was, it was crazy, man. So, you know, he goes to military school and then he like sees like this movie, he sees this film and there's like, somebody's playing guitar and he's like, Whoa, what is that? Like, what's going on? That doesn't sound like country or anything like that it's like that's rock you know the early rock and roll stuff mm. you know i think it's like chuck berry or something like that playing uh les paul um it was, yeah oh, it's not yeah it wasn't 345 bro yeah no he was playing a les paul literally really I'm, yeah i've never seen he's doing the duck walk and everything and wow. it was yeah it's crazy it was like I a super corrected. super early early video i just remember because he said it himself he was like he was playing the most beautiful guitar i've ever seen a les paul or whatever so anyways um Dude, it was just fucking fantastic. From there on, he goes, he moves home. He's like, well, I want to buy a guitar. I want to be in a band. Um, and then he and then he actually joined up with a band called the Cliftons for a while. And they mm. played rock and roll. You know, they're playing. Oh, they weren't, they weren't a skiffle group, mate. Yeah, exactly. But they're playing music like people really weren't exposed to at the time. They knew blues over here or over there in England, you know, and all that. They didn't really know rock and roll quite yet. And um, it was kind of looked down on, actually. And then... Uh, Dude, it's just, it, you know, then he heard bass for the first time at like a high school dance or something. Or not a high school, but like a, you know, whatever. The kids still went to dances, I guess, back then, even like in their, you know, early A mixer. 20s. Yeah, a mixer, a hop, whatever you want to call it, you know. A hop. <laughs> so he heard bass for the first time, and then he was just like, all right, I've got to play bass. Plus, the Cliftons needed a bass player because they were just all playing guitar. And he's like, I'll do it, you know. So the first guitar he ever bought was a guitar. I had to look this up. It's called a Dallas tuxedo bass and it's by mm. the company dallas mm. arbiter who makes the dallas arbiter oh, fuzz, oh, the fuzz face fame sure and yep. you can you can clarify some of that for the for the folks out there but that's just basically yeah. one of the most i think coveted fuzz pedals around probably well, right it's the hendrix fuzz and i mean there are uh, i mean it was over, uh, eventually purchased the rights were purchased by dunlop and they still sell it you know they're in fact every, almost ha- probably half of the clone like pedal clones out there of fuzzes are basically tweaked fuzz fuzz faces at Mm -hmm. this point including the fuzz factory is that we talked about last week and such is is a version of the fuzz face so dallas arbiter very famous for this pedal a couple other pedals but i had no idea they made bases and that they made bases yeah and that bass looks badass dude it's a set neck it's not even a bolt yeah so i sent it to i sent it to henry and you know it's it's funny because i'd I've never seen one before, and I thought I've seen it all. And and guess what? You can't find them anywhere. It's the only one for sale mm. online, at least that I could, you know, that over three k, right? It was like thirty four hundred, yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, but it's all beat up. Anyways, well, he, what he did was he bought that for eight. What did they call it? Eight quid or something eight like quid. that. He bought it for eight quid. Eight quid, and um, he immediately got it home. He 
ripped out, like he cut around the body. So he actually, what would you call it? He reshaped the entire body wow. of the guitar. Um, he literally cut around the entire thing. And then it had like kind of a double cutaway look. And it was much smaller in size. He replaced the pickup right away. And this is all before he was even like in the stones or anything. Took the pickup out, replaced it. He had to put new strings on it, which he said were super expensive because they're like, you couldn't find bass strings mm -hmm. anywhere. Um, and he ripped the frets out. So he literally Went has fretless. He has arguably one of the most famous first fretless bass, uh, fretless electric basses ever, which I thought was so fucking cool. Um, so that was what he played for a while. And then the Clifton's drummer like went over. He's like, oh, I know these guys who are jamming, Mick and Keith, you know, let's go. I'll play drums and you play bass. And they go over there and they jam. And basically the drummer doesn't come back and he just starts hanging out with them. And, and they play like 300 shows in the first year that they're ever together. Fucking mad. 300. Holy 300, crap. Over 300. I think he said like 320 or something, which I was how like, How long was Bill Wyman actually in the Stones? So he was in the Stones from 60 two to 92 i believe okay so yeah. 30 years yeah. but it's still it seemed for most of my life and our lives mm -hmm. it's you know he hasn't been the bass player of the stone mm -hmm. so kind of kind of strange to think about what why did he why did he leave like why did he stop playing with the band he just got tired of it so um i mean after you know basically they didn't play the Stones didn't play from like 82 or 83 all the way to like 89, I want to say. Okay. And then immediately we're doing like the Steel Wheels tour, which was like one of the biggest tours they ever did. And I think he was just like, I'm going to end on a good note. Mm, we just okay. we just did a European and US tour. Um, I'm exhausted, probably made a shitload of money and was like, I'm, you know, I think I'm just done. And he told the guys and he made, you know, he said they they ended pretty amicably, I guess. Um, but I it bet was, he's still got to be making, you still, I mean... I guess I don't know like how they just split up the royalties and stuff. I would yeah. still have to imagine he's still banking shit, right? Is he st is he still alive? Yeah, yeah, he is. Oh, um, right. You said it came out in twenty nineteen. Came out in twenty nineteen. I mean, he's definitely old. That. He's in his yeah. you know I think he's like in his late seventies. Well, so are they? Fuck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, it's it's just there's so many cool little stories in it. Like I didn't know he collected everything from whenever they first started touring. He collected every little flyer and like he would just fold it up oh, and put it in wow. his pocket or like any little button, you know, like a yeah. little Stones merch button. So he's got and he said it's just this thing he started when he was a little kid. He would just like collect shit. And um he's just got like they kind of pan through this, you know, basement where he's kind of narrating the tale of like his life and they're just showing like you know, giant wall, you know, shelves of like film. Cause he did like tons of photography and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's what's also was really cool. This whole documentary is filled with his photography, which I thought was Damn. really fucking sweet. Um, did he, was he also a gear collector? Did he keep all that kind of stuff? Yeah. You know, what's funny. He talks so much gear in the beginning and then he played the famous star bass was kind of like this uh, single cutaway semi hollow bass that he played in the stones right when he joined them. And, um, yeah, he didn't talk too much about gear afterwards. I was kind of surprised because, you know, he went through like the Fender Mustang bass in the mid 70s. Was, um, he, and then was he doing a Vox bass? Yeah, he had the Vox bass in that? the 60s. Yeah, he had like the kind of like the, the teardrop. The, yeah, the toilet seat bass, I like to call it. Um, Mark III or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the Phantom. Yeah, I can't remember the model, but but really fucking awesome, man. Like, um, yeah, I'll be honest, like I actually paid for this. It's on Amazon Prime. It was $4 to rent it, but I thought it was well worth it. So. Well, I, of course, you're not only are you the biggest Stones fan I know, you're also the biggest bass fan I know. So yeah, it was four four, four bucks is just chump change for something. It like was this. fucking cool, man. There's a really cool story too, where Ray Charles was always his favorite musician growing up, like ever since he was in the army, or just right after he got back. And uh, he was basically like he went to a Ray Charles show, and this is probably you know a, just a few years ago. 
and he's just watching the show and he's with his friends and they're like, come on, let's go meet Ray Charles after the show. And he's like, I don't know. That's not going to be cool. And then somebody comes up to him and he's like, hey, Ray, Ray wants to meet you in the back. Wow. And Ray Charles asked him, and this is, you know, this is not really a spoiler. This is just kind of how the movie ends. But it, Ray Charles asked him if he wants to play bass on his new record. And he's like, no, I'm not good enough. And it was just like, whoa, man. Like he's always thought of himself as kind of just this like mediocre, yeah. stay in the back kind of guy. And I, you know, I kind of dig that, man. I actually dig how humble and uh, and cool he was about his approach. So, yeah, it's tough to judge. I mean, you know, on the one hand, it's fucking Ray Charles, but yeah, shit. And, but oh, on I the know. other hand, he's he's the bass player of the Stones. You know. Yeah, I mean, my my reaction is no. You're probably going to regret that. You know, by saying that, because um, obviously, if he wants you to come play on his record, he played with like Muddy Waters. He played with um, Clapton, Howlin' Wolf, Clapton and Howlin' Wolf, and Charlie Watts did a session like in the seventies. Um, so he was like, he, you know, he knew blues and all this stuff and he knows, he knows music like a motherfucker. So I don't, yeah, I don't know why he turned that down, but you know, it was just kind of a cool way to Damn. end it too. So that's Dude, I really want to see that. It's, what's, it's uh, totally worth renting. It's fucking What's fantastic. your totally, uh, totally arbitrary ranking? I gave, uh, let's see here. I gave the quiet one, Bill Wyman, 10 out of 10 straight faced bass faces. <laughs> <laughs> I had to write that down because I knew I was going to forget it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice little tongue twister, too. Straight-faced bass 10 faces. 10 out of 10 straight-faced bass faces. It's kind of fun to say. So, yeah. Nicely dude, done. Fucking the fantastic quiet one. movie. The quiet one. Check it out, guys. Wow. I don't know how to follow that up. I do. I do. I do want to just resurface the fact that we do need to have our group, uh, group Dave's doc, and watch that Zappa doc one of these days. Oh my god! Yeah, absolutely, man. Dude, all right, uh, man. One thing Yo, I want to get to, yeah, and you can leave, you can take this out if you want. But I, I was gonna text you this the other day. Did have you ever heard Chipmunks on Sixteen Speed Sludge Fest? Yes. Oh yes. So I just discovered this. I know it's like six years old, and I was like, I'm not gonna send this to Henry because he's heard of it before. But I just want to throw in there as my is my Dave's hits for the Dave's week. Hits. If you guys haven't heard Chipmunks on 16 Speed, it's a cover record. It's like 11 songs. They slow everything down to 16 Speed, but the vocals obviously sound a little warpy and slow, but pretty normal. Uh, it's it's sludgy and trippy. Just and uh, you know, maybe maybe that'll show up on the Facebook. Yeah, send a link. I think I'm gonna out I think I'm gonna toss that up there. I think you should. Oh, dude, good one. Well, that'll definitely stay. Uh, let's just get into a little future gear. I uh, got a couple things to talk about before we get into the the meat, which is going to be a fucking snoozing boar fest for probably a lot of people. So uh, we'll just get to the, the more interesting stuff first, and that's pedals. Uh, oh, yeah. Because there's just been a lot of pedal stuff going on lately. I First of all, let's start strong. I am currently I, – I have five Daredevil pedals sitting next to me right now, which Jeez. is – a lot of daredevil yeah. in the face. <laughs> uh, what do we have? Well, we've already talked about the British Black Belt and the hype in the past. That's mm-hmm. a, you know a, basically a version of the Marshall Mini Stack, Micro Stack, and his Boost pedal. But then I also have what else do I have? Oh, I've got the Premium Overdrive, which is a, a pretty interesting take on Overdrive. I haven't spent a ton of time with that one yet, but I have been spending pretty much the past couple days with two pedals one is a bass pedal mm-hmm. which is the almighty bass oh my god dude, yeah that, it is you know you hear bass fuzz and you and you think you know what you're gonna get yeah uh i thought and especially because johnny daredevil johnny water from daredevil's pedals they're they're very they're the sort of pedals you don't you don't ever have to ask yourself if it's on or not you know what i mean like sometimes you turn <laughs> a pedal a really and you're like wait did it, it actually do anything daredevil pedals you know when they're fucking on well yeah. 
So I was expecting a super over the top distortion for the bass. Well, it does get pretty nasty all the way up at the top, but what to my great delight and surprise, I think the most interesting sounds come it, from it come in the sort of like low medium to high medium gain ranges. Oh, really? Because it doesn't sound like any other <clears throat> bass distortion I've ever used. It doesn't sound like a muff. It doesn't sound like a rat. It it's it's it is a does unique it have like circuit that kind design. of kind of ripping chainsaw kind of sound no to no it's it's dude i don't know how to describe it it it's just a really nice sort of crunchy bass sound but it's mm-hmm. unique and then but then if you do turn it all the way up of course it does do a, an over-the-top kind of sound yeah. but again it doesn't sound like a muff all the way up or it doesn't sound like a you know any other fuzz i've ever or distortion wow. i've ever used on bass so it's maybe there like are a, something like an there, aggressive but. boost almost in a way i mean if you if you set it to that level like <sighs> yeah but it it no it, it is a distortion but it's just i just can't compare it directly to anything That's that i've awesome. ever heard on bass because you of course you know the biggest problem with any bass distortion it cuts all the bass out well this doesn't have most that do. problem yeah even when you turn the tone knob up it, it adds top end but it still keeps all the all the bass and, yeah. and then the other nice thing too and i have it this hasn't been an issue for me but if you if you have like a super super clean uh tube amp uh you could the volume knob like to get to unity gain is mm-hmm. pretty low on the volume knob so you have if you want to just keep the distortion all the way down and use it as a bass boost it can do that too and just like drive the front end of your of your tube bass amp uh but that hasn't oh, wow. I, I am in a situation where I need less gain from my amps. So I should try that. That on, is not a problem. I should try that on like a solid state would probably be a really good. Yeah, I did it with try. the the Kemper. Uh, did some recording yeah. with it into the front of that, and it sounds just oh, right. Man. So awesome. I'm super stoked on that pedal. And then also uh, the other, I said there are two that I've been spending a lot of time with. The other one that I want to quickly mention is the bootleg delay. Mm-hmm. And and I guess this is this is a similar theme in that I sort of went in you know you plug in a delay pedal and you expect a certain thing i, I was plugging in a, a bass fuzz pedal and i was expecting a certain thing and with both of them i was those those expectations were subverted because with with the almighty i right away it was like i know what to do with this mm-hmm. with the bootleg it kind of took me a day or two i right away i was like i don't know how to use it because i tried to use it just like a sort of regular digital delay yeah uh and, and that is not the way to do it because the the sort of I would I would consider the selling point of the bootleg delay is that uh, the the repeats right. have a fuzz on them, oh. you can, which you can adjust and blend in different ways. Oh so, wow! Uh, yeah, it's very and, and you know typically any sort of tape style or analog style delay, one of the hallmarks is that as the repeats trail, as they trail mm-hmm. off, they get darker, right? Like the top end sort of sure. rolls off. Right. That not only does that not happen with this, it, he designed it so that they can in some ways almost get a little brighter. So I didn't know what to do with that at first uh, because I I was trying to just do like your standard, you play a clean sound and then it does the delay thing. That's not, it's kind of strange when you do a clean sound into this pedal and then it has dirty sounds on the repeats. It's like, what the fuck is happening? So that led me to then sort of change my approach. And it turns out running a distortion in front of it or some sort of fuzz or, or gain pedal in front of it is like, that's the move. It, and no it, once you once I figured that out, it which is how you would typically use any sort of delay pedal, yeah. right? But I was I was using it just into like a clean amp or just into the camera. Yeah, I mean, you want to try it by itself just to see like specifically what right. it's what it does, right? W- once I got my hands around it with a distortion in front of it, now I've now learned how to use it without a distortion in front of it too. But I guess my point is that for anyone listening, is if you're ever going to try this pedal, start with a 
some sort of fuzz or something in front of it. This is not a pedal to use to do like a, you know, you're playing in church and you need the perfect 16th <laughs> note delay. This is like, yeah. you want a, a cool bed of noise or some really nasty repeats on something. My favorite way to do it is I've been doing like a really sort of short, like real fast delay, like tick, 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 tick. Yeah, but I then like with that. a ton of repeats on it. And then like almost sort of to the point of self-oscillation. And then yep. because it has a blend, you can have a crazy amount of delay, but then just just bring it back and then it just sort of sits underneath what you're playing wow. and that has been my favorite way to use it in fact so i'm, I'm working on a couple uh, videos for these pedals um i don't know exactly the form they're going to take yet but i so i've been writing parts to play and oh, i've dude. gotten now i finally have the parts because it's like oh that sounds I know, like a i know fun what to do with delay. these I'm it's just, going on my board. It's happening. I'm, I'm just I'm, trying to think like, yeah. yeah, if I can think of another one that does kind of like that dirty, you know, repeat noise like that. Because not, not that I specifically, there are other pedals where you can, uh, via uh, like an insert or a sort of send and return effects loop si situation, you can run other pedals in the effects loop of the pedal that then only affect the repeats. In fact, uh, my Moog delay, which mm -hmm. is, you know, we talked about in his crazy stupid expensive pedal uh that does offer that and there are some other pedals that offer that but this is the only one that i know of where it's like clean on the input but then the delays are all fucked up and it's it's just a different approach to delay that i am kind of just i ha and this is sort of what's driving this this re recent renaissance part of it that i was talking about at the top of the episode with pedals for a long time i, I saw I, i've only seen pedals as this kind of utility where it's like i need to do a delay so then i will have a delay this is more like Here's a, a creative artistic tool that you can then try to fit into to your sound or maybe write something with. It's not like I need to go to open a plugin because I need a gate or a delay. Yep, it's, it's, right. it's much more of like an artistic creative endeavor and tool where it's it's more about the collaboration between the artist and the tool than just the, the tool itself executing a I certain task or something. Okay, so the other half of it, first of all, I mean, let me just say again. I'm super stoked on Daredevil right now. I mean, yeah, Johnny knows what's up. Full, dis full disclaimer, yes, I am working with him. So, you know, whatever. But I am the pedals are fucking dope, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm super excited. You can't to deny it. Them. Yeah. The other pedals that have me excited right now are not as hip, not even nearly as hip or cool as the Daredevil pedals, but to me, they're still interesting nonetheless, and that is um, my now-growing collection of three dod uh 90s uh, <laughs> pedals here and oh, uh man. man i i got the i got the, we've we've talked about my first pedal that i ever had the dod fx 52 classic mm -hmm. fuzz still yep. have it and then how recently my buddy jimmy gave me one of his first pedals randomly which was the phaser the fx 20b which john was also john nunez from torch's first pedal which we learned you sent me a reverb listing for a uh, FX55B, which is the uh, Supra distortion, mm -hmm. and it was so cheap I just had to buy it yeah, sight unseen. There was a funny story with that where the guy he like he had the price. You could see where their original price was, and it yep. was like it was like forty nine bucks plus like ten shipping or whatever. And I was like, all right, no, like sixty bucks is what they're worth, like in good shape, I think. And then he dropped it to like twenty nine, and I was like. Oh, that's not bad. And then I think he he raised it back up, and then he dropped it further down. And that it's, and that's the that price I sent I it to the you. Trigger. And I yes. yeah, and I was like, dude, because when I sent it to you the first time, I was like, wait, that's he right. raised the price. Yep. That's so funny. Um, Which then, even at the price that he raised it to, I still think it is a good value for the pedal, but it's still not impulse. I've never even heard this pedal before. Yeah, purchase land. But exactly. When it's like you know sub thirty dollars, I was just like, okay, done. Because uh, since then, I have also now learned 
everything there is to know about DOD pedals and the history of them and the different eras and cool. where they're all made and stuff. So um, I, it, the, the, unfortunately, the website is no longer online, but for a while they're... Are they, and they're I, still a company though, right? They're no? not still a company. They oh. were purchased by Harman in the late 90s. Well, it was purchased by Harman in the in the late 80s, but then they were still, everything was still made in America until the late 90s, and then they were bought by someone else, Digitech or something like that. But Digitech is part of Harman. I can't remember how it all worked out. They've been out. around since like the 70s, I think, or They've something? They've been around, well, the pedals have been around since, I think the first one came out in 1982. Oh, okay. Uh, but the they started making them in China in like the late 90s. Oh, okay. So um, I'm particularly interested in the pre-China pedals, and uh, th- th- there was a website called americaspedal.net for a while, which was just like a fan site dedicated to these. It's no longer online. However, I figured out that if you use uh, archive.org, like the internet you know, oh. archive, you can still access a lot of that content. So I've gone through and read everything I can find on there. Some of the pictures are no longer available, which is kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I, they really are America's Pedal. I mean, they were developed here. They were all made here. They're all in these like super heavy-duty metal enclosures. Yeah. Um, the, you know, there are some sort of hallmarks of them that are shitty and that the battery covers pretty much all fall off my original <laughs> two i still have for some reason this one that i just got did not yeah. include it it's also missing um, some knobs i think or something right the one that i yeah this new one that the supra that i got uh it, it one of the only original knob is missing the top part which is very uh, common on, on them and then it has two replacement knobs which are a little too big but they're red and awesome it and looks kind of funky yeah that's when i saw yeah, it i was I like oh, this is such a henry like frankenstein pedal i love it's it. a super frankenstein yeah. uh but yeah shit it, it took well usps delayed it like a, a week and a half because yeah. they've been you know just fucked uh, with everything but it finally showed up and it actually sounds really cool it does it's 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 kind of it's definitely more in the distortion land, but it's not like a super compressed mid scooped kind of thing. It actually okay. sounds good and like a thing I, I will use to sort of complete the loop, though. The other shit, there are two other shitty things about this series of pedals. Um, one is that the, the foot switches are this weird sort of soft bypass thing that oh. almost always break. Uh, so I have found I've had the best success using them just like in a loop switcher. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, sort of yeah. always on kind of thing. And then two, uh, they were still, they were made before everyone had decided just to adopt, adopt the boss style center negative nine volt uh, mm-hmm. barrel style power adapter. Uh, it's those sort of like almost, it's, it's just a little bit smaller than like a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack. You know, eighth oh, inch jack. yeah. Okay. So that's kind of a bummer, too. Uh, I just happen to have one of those adapters around, but you know, now that I have three of those pedals, that doesn't really that's help. That's funny. So I didn't know that was a I might. Adapter. I think, honestly, yeah, I think eventually I'm just because they're, I don't ever see myself getting rid of them. I think I am going to just drill them out and put boss oh. style adapters in there Dude. so I don't ever have to worry about it. I did find someone is selling online. I should have written down what they're called. Someone sells. It's essentially, uh, it's really cool actually. It go, you know, I mentioned that the battery cover uh, always falls off. Mm-hmm. You can buy a replacement battery cover, but then it has built into it a connector, so you oh, can wow. snap it into the nine volt po- a battery right there, and then it's got the boss style. Oh, j- that's perfect. Jack right on the outside. Yeah, because They're the battery's like- at the top, not the bottom, right? On, uh, yeah, at the top, exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, it it is it is a kind of nice design. The problem, of, of course, is that they're like twenty five bucks. So if you're going to get yourself, oh, you know, you can't just buy a, like a yeah a bundle of them for twelve bucks or some shit. I don't think so. Ah. Uh, so what, that could get a little in expensive. the in the DoD world. What do you think will be? I mean, if you if are you gassing for another DoD pedal? 
Oh, I want. I, I want. I mean, I know I you want, want them all, all them. but is there one specific in line? Well, so there are some. Yeah, there there are specific eras, and I tend to like the one that I have already, uh, which is like the they were made from some of the some of the ones that have this. this they call it the slant logo. Um, it's kind of like late 1991, early ninety two through. Uh, most of them were made into 94 some of them were made in 96 and then you started seeing that like the the later it's like a it's hard to describe without the picture in front but you would definitely recognize it anyways mm -hmm. yeah there are a few for sure man the one that's the top of my list is of course one of the most expensive um that for only for two this is actually pre this is like the the first era they made for like a year they made an analog reverb a stereo analog reverb and Whoa. um you know it, it's it's by no means a hi-fi device it's actually like kind of a crunchy almost sort of shitty sounding 16-bit reverb but that's what is exciting to me about yeah. it like i i, I want that use it for, there, yeah. i think there's like one maybe two on reverb right now and they're about 500 so okay. uh, i'm not going to be doing that next i i don't know i think um i mean one of my favorites is the meat box that's that sub synth that's kind of become an unobtainium pedal that they actually reissued later on there's another one called the gonculator which is this like really kind of horrible sounding ring mod thing but it's pretty cool oh yeah they also at one point made it's not a harmonic percolator but it is it is sort of built on a similar idea of, of even order harmonics um, that's on there uh, on the list. Yeah, I, I've got my I've got my sight sets. I'm just gonna slowly start chipping away, and eventually, I'd like to have. I don't know if I want to have every DoD FX <laughs> pedal, but I there I want most of them, and and I just think they're a fucking awesome value for how good they sound. Yeah. And each one is does a slightly unique thing, like the like the I've I've done research about the schematics now, and for instance, the classic fuzz that I have, they actually took. It's supposed to be a combination of three. 60s fuzzes including the like the maestro fuzz tone that was a satisfaction huh. fuzz mm -hmm. and then they so it, it, they weren't just direct clones of things and then they come in these really heavy metal enclosures which i think are just really nice and solid so hell yeah i it's my i i'm 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 squarely back into thinking pedals are fun amazing devices that are more than just tools they're more they're they're just like they're they're building blocks of sound mm, and i love that. i like them Whew, that was a lot of pedal talk real fast. Right that was good there, shit. Man. Well, you know, it's funny because we talked about, you know, a little bit about the pedal movie last week, but we didn't really get into pedals last week. Mm, I kind of wet right. my whistle, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm back. I'm back on it. Uh, more to come, I'm sure. Uh, and this is, I just wanted to say these words before we get into the next section here because you said them to me and I wanted to say them in the episode so that we can either put it in the description or just name the episode. And that is Desperately Seeking Fusion. <laughs> uh, I believe that came out of a conversation we were having about Al Miola. Yeah, uh, I bought an Al Miola record. I can't even think of the name of it right now. Um, but it's like one of his Sla first slappers ones. with the with the fusion boys. Yeah, it just it bangs called. really. It's the one with his face on the painted on the cover. There are a number of them like that because yeah. Al Miola is such, uh, he's is so a, styling, dude. I love really it. into his face. Yeah, yeah, dude. Desperately seeking fusion. Yeah, I don't know. Just go listen to some fusion music. If anyone's because... got a fusion podcast out there, you, you can have it. How about that, dude? I've got to say this um, for you and for everyone. Uh, well, you have to stick around, but we're about to get into some nerdy technical shit uh -huh. uh, because it's something that I I want to be honest. I it's been coming up a lot in the world and uh, in the it's starting to creep into the music world. And Ooh. and I and someone asked me to explain it to them, and I felt like I couldn't give. Uh, a proper explanation so i've done i've done a bunch of research and now that means that you and the rest of the world have to suffer uh, because <laughs> we are going to talk about something really weird and bizarre have you heard about nfts no 
Okay, then this is good. Uh, an NFT stands for non. Okay, actually, I should have looked up how this what this stands for or how to pronounce it. It's either fungible or fungible, non fungible tokens. Are you familiar with Bitcoin, Dave? I I I I've heard of it, but it it also it goes way over my head when people try to explain it to me. Um, well, this is hopefully by the end of this little <laughs> discussion here, you'll have a slightly better understanding of, of blockchain, which is what Bitcoin is built on. Uh-huh. But specifically, I want to talk about NFTs because I'll, I'll just say the reason that I felt like it's finally come to a head is that I'm not sure if it's this past week or this week that's that's coming up. Um, Kings of Leon, uh, a very famous rock and roll band, mm-hmm. are releasing their record as an NFT. So to me, that's like, well, shit, this is fully entering the mainstream so at this point. This is something you can purchase with Bitcoin. Is that how that works? Am I jumping the gun here? You're jumping the gun, buddy. Right, but uh, to answer your question, it, I'm sure it's possible to purchase it with Bitcoin, but uh, that is not the point of it. You can Supposedly, you should be able to buy an NFT with any kind of currency. Okay. okay let's, let's talk about this. So uh, Bitcoin... That was invented in 2008. The first transaction happened in 2010. Uh, I learned this. Uh, this is this is a fun little stat. So uh, the first transaction that was ever done with Bitcoin uh, was someone buying two pizzas, and I heard they about spent this. Yeah. ten thousand bitcoins for them, I just which heard about uh, this. Yeah, is now crazy. worth four hundred million dollars today. I wonder so, what pizza place took that. They were like, oh, I know, yeah, right? <laughs> but I don't know if if you've noticed this, but a lot of pl- a lot of even like del- food delivery and stuff are starting to take back cryptocurrency. Then, you know, but that, back then, people, that was the yeah, first. Like, what the exactly. But this is becoming much more of a thing. So blockchain is basically it's it's decentralized currency. It's 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 taking, you know, for a long time we all of our money and all this stuff. It's not really money isn't real, right? right. Like we haven't been on a fiat currency, which means it's based on. Or, or, or I'm sorry, we are on a fiat currency. It, we're, we're not. It, we're no longer on a gold standard. Silver doesn't back our dollars. It's basically just people are like, "This is worth money," and then we mm-hmm. all decided to say that it's worth money. Well, blockchain is sort of the same way, but the reason that it's different is that it's decentralized. There's no central bank. What's centralized is the ledger itself. So any anytime any transactions ever happen with Bitcoin. It gets stored in this literal digital file, and then you can look back in time and know everything that's ever happened. Like you can tr- trace it all back, and then beyond that, every, since every transaction takes place there, you can't really fudge it because if I lie and say, "Well, yeah, I've got a billion Bitcoin," and, right. and I'm just going to update the ledger, well, everyone else who has the ledger, which is everyone who's ever transacted in Bitcoin, has a copy of it right now and can right. say, "No, you didn't." Look, it's like we, a Google like, Doc, we can you see can right here. Just, you can all just but, log into it and check it out, right? But because it's decentralized, it's not just on a server somewhere; it's on everyone's computer. Computer, we all know, like everyone knows, this is this is a, a secure system because everyone can check it. There's there's no way to, to really to cheat it. Okay, uh, you can you can mine, which is we'll come back to later. But the, basically, mining means using just a ridiculous amount of energy via computers in these server farms to generate blockchain. But it takes a ridiculous amount of power to do so. Okay, so. That's sort of what blockchain is. It's this global currency. It can be faster than banks. Well, okay. So this this is already everybody's kind of accept. Not everybody, but the world has sort of accepted yeah, it's this a thing. as a thing. Yeah, absolutely. So there are people that are now innovating on blockchain and applying in different ways. And this is kind of where NFTs, non fungible tokens, come in. So these are this is this has already been happening for a few years now. Um, apparently, I didn't know this, but the NBA has already accepted it as a thing. And what NFTs do is allow you to purchase. Uh, other types of uh, 
things not not just like using a bitcoin to make a purchase an nft is an is a representation a digital representation of an actual thing so it can be representing a a, a song it can represent an actual event um, so an example is that right now um the 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 NBA is selling these, uh, it's called NBA Top Shop. And you can, sort of like baseball cards, you can right now go and buy specific memories like Derrick Rose sinking a special shot or Jordan right. hitting a special shot or whatever. But the digital representation of that and that you are the person that owns that. For, so it, they've been doing it for six months now. So it's not There's just the been, clip, but you you could buy... You just you own, own, you own essentially it. the rights kind the of rights to that to clip it. in some okay. way, but ever anybody in the world can still you know watch, watch it. that sure. specific thing have happened. But this version of it through NBA Top Shop, this officially sanctioned thing. So okay, so they've been up for six months. There's already been two hundred million dollars worth of trade, like oh, of different I'm purchases sure. and stuff happening on yeah. here. And one of them, the most expensive, was a, a video of LeBron James dunking, and that sold for two hundred eight thousand dollars. So, but Whoa. the point is now that it's a commodity, <laughs> it's worth whatever someone's willing to pay for it and, yeah, and which so is... and this is all stored in blockchain so it's it's not like sotheby's or some art house making money on this or something right. it is all purely owned by the person who created it and then the person who owns it whoa so so and, and just to real mm. quick so circle back yeah. to kings of leon then Keep asking questions for sure. They're they are selling their album. So some like one specific person can buy the album, or how does it work? I mean, I don't know anybody. Good question. Can, good, anybody good can question. Listen to it. So there are there are. This is still the wild west. So it's taking so many different forms. Mm -hmm. My understanding of the Kings of Leon situation is that for fifty dollars, you get an NFT for the record. Mm -hmm. So you have one of these Almost versions like a share, of it. No way. But what's gonna? Yes, because what's gonna? And I don't know the the full timeline but for mm -hmm. theirs it's a it's only a, maybe like a year or a couple months will you be able to buy this and then at that point they'll no longer create it anymore with the $50 you also get a vinyl record that, that they're going to mail you and yeah. access to like some live videos and shit like that or something sure but right. you will still then have that NFT so then in the future should you want to sell that NFT wow. to somebody else you can so it's it's this new way of artists to kind of uh, monetize or take ownership of the things that they create, which I think is fucking so cool. So I want to I mean, buy like an NFT on like a Takashi 6ix9ine video because those go up to like 300 million plays in like a week. And this is kind of the way people are, are starting but to But you got to get it. in like early, right? Like that's the idea. It's kind of like stuff. Well, there's, there's this all... Maybe, but here's here's half, and this is kind of going slightly off tangent, but we can we can do that. So yeah. it kind of relates to this, which we've talked about a little bit. This huge gold rush that's going on right now right. with um, these companies buying the rights to song, you know, Bob Dylan selling his rights for thirty yeah, million dollars sure. or whatever. Well, the, it's sort of similar with this in that <clears throat> you know Bob Dylan's a proven commodity, so everybody knows that buying his full catalog for three hundred million dollars was a good idea. Well. Yep. Because there's this gold rush going on right now, companies like Hypnosis are buying even new songs that have done well recently but don't have staying power. So there is an inherent okay. gamble and risk in that. You don't know what the staying power of that thing is going to be. Just like I don't know if I buy this LeBron James dunk right now, is that going to be something that's valuable in 50 right. years from now. I don't fuck, who the fuck knows. Well, right. you, like there's no proven history there. So it's similar it, it, there are parallels and I'm sure that a lot of people are going to speculate and buy 
probably spend too much money on things that aren't going to be worth a lot yep. in the future. But just like Bitcoin, you know, maybe there will be a hit that will be worth a lot. So there's a, a ton of gambling. Dude, I kind of want to get the Kings of Leon record now just because, one, I, I kind of like them. They're okay. You know, I like the first few records. And and two, I think it'd be cool. Like, this would be a good introduction to this whole world, you know? I think so, too. And it's and and, and the funny part about that, or the irony, I guess, is that you know, yes, we are sort of bleeding edge, but really what's, this has been going on for a few years and it's really mostly been like images, film clips, animations, Mm -hmm. poems. These are the things that have already been bought and sold for just, I mean, a lot of money. Uh, So music is kind of this like next step, which is actually does make sense when you think about the speed with which the music industry moves, you know, we tend to sort of be uh, like a couple decades behind other (laughs) shit. Um, so what else did I want to say about That's this? Really well, yeah, I want, let's talk about music a little bit. Um, Dead Mouse has done it already. Dead mm-hmm. Mouse has offered things. Portugal the Man uh, oh, does yeah? it. They do it with. Um, they've got this like deep archive of outtakes and live music and, oh, so, and live video I and shit. I saw them so. post about that, and it's these old like they're called like the New Orleans sessions or something. I used to watch it when it was. They must have taken, or it might still be on YouTube, but like it's like when you know two thousand seven. So if you like like early early Portugal the Man, they were just gritty. That's a really, really cool. They're in this cabin studio thing playing. It's fucking sweet. Dude, um, yeah. And so many bands have this kind of stuff. And and it, but beyond that, like monetizing the things that you already have, you yeah. know, this rich, rich wealth, it also creates new opportunities. You know, I was reading about examples with like um uh I've got some things written in the document here. I don't want to read this specifically, but basically there's there are things that, you know, say you bought there because there are companies already built around concert experiences with NFTs. Mm-hmm. So say you know, it's sort of like a digital ticket stub in some ways, but then you can also right. tie merch to that specifically where it's like, you know, a special shirt that only comes with the, the access from this NFT. Um, or And, and also, it, the, one of the really interesting things, too, is that if you, if you do uh, concert tickets via this method, uh, it creates a lot of security and kind of undercuts the whole uh, scalper market because what you can do is say you can you can put limits within the NFT and say okay well the baseline that I'm going to sell this ticket for you know when it's new is fifty dollars but I I will allow for that ticket to be resold for up to one hundred dollars and nothing beyond that so you you, you, yeah. you create but and because it's all built into the blockchain that money goes back to the artist. Like if, if there is oh, extra money huge. on the top, that goes back to the person who's creating the event, all the, you know, so it's not just oh, the scalper. Okay. I didn't that, know that's that. Making the money. That's, I thought it was just trading hands. So it actually, it goes back. It to all that. goes. And so it creates all this, all these interesting opportunities with rights for songs. So it's like, but it also creates some, some confusion too, because, uh, and this is actually, this is actually a good transition because there are still some impediments to this. So, uh, for, if you're an artist, uh, if you're an artist that owns all the rights to your own music right now, or like you're in a band where you've got a partnership or whatever, it's a lot easier for you to get going with something like this than someone that already has, you know, a record that's been put out on a label mm-hmm. with different songwriters, different producers, all these different rights holders, the the mixer, the mastering engineer, to then create an NFT for a pre-existing work like that is a lot more complicated. That's got to be, yeah, with points and all that. Yeah, that's got to be a little crazy, right? And again, we already touched on this. That we're talking about the music industry. You know, we still pay artists every six months, and like you have to trust your record label to get paid and stuff. It's like all this really bizarre weird shit that every other business has already gotten rid of music industry is going to be very slow to adopt these things but it does create an opportunity for forward-thinking uh artists to 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 try something new the other main detriment here is the physical environmental cost uh mining uh the energy cost to do this kind of shit is 
absolutely astronomical. Oh, really? Yes. It, it, that part of it is super complicated, and we don't need to get into that on this yeah. show. But what you need to know is that it takes a lot it, of fucking. Imagine energy. giant server farms, mostly in India and China, oh, wow. where things are unregulated, unregulated, right. churning through energy, man. Wow. So uh, I was looking at this website. It's called CryptoArt.wtf, where you can actually take currently for sale or previously sold pieces of NFT crypto art and see, and, and you can find out exactly what energy cost it took to get to that, mm -hmm. to, to, to create the NFT for that piece of art. Uh, and and they, they are measured in weeks or months of electrical usage for an average citizen. So it's oh like one, one 30 second video I saw was equivalent to 3.5 months of carbon emission for the average UK resident. Just one oh, 30 wow. second video oh, NFT. That, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. I read an article where someone was experimenting with it where they just literally spent an afternoon exploring and and they and they were able to measure that and it created one half ton of carbon emission just for an afternoon of exploring. So wow. Because of that the makes sense. immense computing power that yeah. comes with it, it's that you know that just gets pulled from the electrical grid, and of course that just dumps carbon in the atmosphere. So going back to um, going back to the, I guess the the what are they called the uh, the things you can purchase? I guess the uh, NFTs, non fungible the NFTs. tokens. Yeah. So going back the, to let me NFTs. just oh I didn't let me just really quick. Uh, it's called non fungible token. So Bitcoin. Every Bitcoin is is identical, right? And it's built on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. The the different the reason that this is different is called they're called NFTs, non fungible. That just means that they're not all identical. That okay. they're tokens, but everything that they represent is a is a unique entity. Unlike Bitcoin, which by definition everything's identical. Sorry, okay. just wanted to make sure no, we that's, explain that yeah, really fast. That you're really good at explaining this, actually, man. I've had friends try to explain this, and I'm like, I'm like, either I'm too stupid to understand it, or they have no idea what the hell they're talking about. So it <laughs> could be a little bit of both. But you did a really good job, and I'm like, wow, I'm really following this man so maybe this is uh i interrupt you you're gonna you're, you're oh i just wanted to ask so like if you so you know how you were like all right portugal the man's done this and like mm -hmm. you know um you know all these bands are you know kings of leon are, are going to do it and all this stuff you have to decide yourself as the artist or the owner of that if you want to allow it to become an nft Right, and that's you can't I'm just sure. be like, oh, I mean, every I'm going to take the Eagles catalog and just go ahead and buy it if the Eagles didn't decide exactly. It's okay, so that makes yeah. Sense. I mean, I'm sure people are going to try to do that kind of stuff because this is the fucking wild west, and it's very confusing and it's easy to and if you're like if it's a savvy stuff. guy and you can just go to like the, you know the Eagles record label and be like, I, hey, I'll you I know I'll buy the catalog for this. I and, have to imagine there are some guardrails in place for that because again, the sort of the I guess the driving intent behind this is the. A the secu the security, but then also the the deregulation, the taking it out of the hands of the big banks and the governments of it, and you know, and putting it in the hands of the people who are so using real. It. Really, it's going to be more for like the up and coming people more than like older stuff. Like Bob Dylan wants to sell is. his collection for four hundred million because he's going to see that cash. But like, you know, the old school record label ideal. Well, is and now that changing with this. now that that company bought. I think it was Universal bought yeah. his record. They they did it knowing that then in the future they're going to be able to do shit like this and oh, yeah. and create NFTs around it. Yeah, so, they so, can they could do it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Oh wow. I, I do see the most opportunity right now for younger artists who who have or not young again not younger in age, younger in sort of career and following, and that they they have opportunities to 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 try to do something new and different, and also again have full control over everything. Uh, so one last oh I have this one last um, note here that uh, when we're before we leave the energy usage yeah. thing um, because I I wanted to I didn't I didn't know this 
they've calculated the amount of energy that it's taken to uh, create the amount of Bitcoin that we have right now and just like uh, sort of up maintain it and grow it. And right now, like today, Bitcoin's energy usage is more than twice, twice of Apple, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, and Facebook combined. Whoa, today? Yeah, today. So and that's crazy because that's, it's only going still, up. Like, ex- that's exactly right. Exponentially right now. That's so, wild. Wow. Well, I had no idea the out, environmental then, cost. Yeah, right, exactly. If they can exactly. figure out that shit, then it's going to be a great thing for sure. But the, yeah, like some of the stuff we talked about with the concert tickets. Oh, and, and really quick, I, f- I forgot to mention this. There mm-hmm. is actually a streaming service right now built on NFT and oh, blockchain. Okay. Uh, it's called Audius. I had mm-hmm. never heard of this. It's already in use. Um, it's kind of like a, a limited test right now. I think I didn't I didn't write too much down about it, but I do know that it's something like maybe only fifty thousand artists are available. And in and in the future, the their sort of goal is to well, their one their one goal is to make it so that it's a streaming service that literally nobody even realizes is, is built on blockchain. Yeah. It's not supposed to be scary and intimidating. It's supposed to be something that you can just use like stream like Spotify or whatever. But that will then again actually reward the artists who you're listening to. I mean, one of the examples they gave is that, you know, the way that the, these models are built with Spotify and everything, it's like you could listen to I could listen to a thousand streams this, or ten thousand streams this month, right. and not one of them is going to be a Drake song. But because of the way that these models are built and how many streams Drake gets, he's going to still make money on that. Okay. Whereas if you I I would prefer if I'm listening to some independent artist that the the that money and the, all those resources go directly to them. And, and this is sort of one way to help control for that because you could have it set up where it's like, well, you get access to, you know, five songs, but then if you pay, if you pay us like a dollar one time, then now via this, because that's built into the blockchain and the blockchain knows that you have access to that forever. So and, it makes it easy for you and you can then directly support the artist. And that's just like a very simple example. There's so many things you could well, try. Well, I feel and like if they it. made it, if they made it like uh, for the artist side of it, if they made it as easy as uploading a song to SoundCloud in like a matter of minutes, and then if, you know, whoever wants to get it first or if somebody's going to buy it, they can, they, they have access to that. Yeah, and then you're and the only one who gets a return on it, basically. That's exactly right. It's, and it goes back to the, it's one of the other things we're talking about, even with like merch and, and this example I have in here, one of the, the, the current, uh, I can't remember who it was, but it was one of the current experts who's also like a label head was talking about it. And he, he said, there's an example. He says, here are just people to think of a band t-shirt, which is normally, which is normally bought through a one-time direct-to-consumer payment. After that exchange, the original creator doesn't see a dime. But imagine I created something with my name or likeness on it or with mm-hmm. my creativity in it, and I got a piece any time that it exchanged hands, even on the sort of like you know secondary market. That calls that's a much more expansive long-term career that creates the ability to have to for a designer to to monetize their income for the rest of their life rather than just selling it to a band one time you know everyone can like have this sort of lifetime piece of the uh, piece of the pie that's awesome dude i'm i'm really into it man i'm excited about it i haven't bought any yet i'm like you i'm not even i'm not even really much of a kings of leon fan anymore i might jump off and and just get the record i was like just to get it i spent 50 bucks on worse shit than a record i've spent uh, yeah i've spent 50 bucks on way worse records i'm sure and i've never even heard this dang thing (laughs) exactly so that you know, I realized that we sort of sped through like a twenty-minute dude. Are you? Discussion I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you did a good job, to, at least to me, of explaining that. And if you know, if someone wants to come on and, and talk about it a little bit too, that'd be cool. But um, yeah, I would love a real expert to get in and yeah. inform us. But I figured, you know, if any any of our listeners in the in the future gear department or in just in general, Look into uh, they've seen that word NFT, maybe they wanted someone to explain it, and hopefully. You know, hopefully that helped a little bit. Helped me. And hopefully maybe it gave you some ideas to to, to put your own work and in, in, uh, creation out Absolutely. in the world in, in an interesting way. 
Well, buddy, I'm kind of tired of talking. I feel like I've that been was doing great, a lot man. of that. So thank you. Wow. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we just call it a day? All right, man. Well, uh, it's a beautiful day outside. I hope you get to get out there and enjoy it. And uh, it's a beautiful day to everyone for listening to us today. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, making it this far. Thank you, Dave, for just being the the greatest co-host a, a man could ask for. Oh, thank you, Henry. And uh, if you if you didn't fall asleep during that riveting <laughs> NFT discussion right there, then I would urge you to go make some music. 